0: All right, it's Tuck Taylor here with episode eight of the Beast Thinking Podcast. Got my guy again with me, three episodes in a row.
1: Three episodes,
0: yep. The man, the myth, the legend, Chris McCain, everybody. Welcome back, Chris. Thank you. Uh, First, we want to just kind of start out with thanking everyone for the feedback that we've gotten from our last episode on performance anxiety. Uh, We got a lot of positive feedback, but some feedback as well as far as explaining little things a little bit better, yeah. uh, such as myelin and all that type of stuff. So that definitely gave us uh, some content ideas for future episodes. So we thank you, and your input means the world to us, because we're doing this for you guys.
1: Yeah, keep it coming.
0: So today's topic, uh, kind of starting at the foundation level of beast thinking, is kind of our why. Why are we involved in this whole beast thinking movement? What sparked it? And also, how to find your why. So, Chris, go ahead and lead off. Uh, tell the people why you got into beast thinking.
1: You know, this is a, it's an interesting topic because I just had a, a conversation with a parent not too long ago that really relates to my why, but I'll, I'll start in the beginning. You know, you, you connected me with Carol Dweck, mindset book, which then led into Grit, which then led into Talent Code and Relentless and all these, all these other books that we've mentioned on the podcast that we both read. And as a parent, as, a, as an individual trying to learn, I thought the books had really good information. And then as a parent, I thought, okay, how do I, how do I begin to teach this to my kid? Uh, you know, and I have two boys, 10 and 14. And I, and I thought about some of the context of these books and thought, well, it really doesn't work. The, the, the anecdotes, the examples they give, some of the language they use just wouldn't work for a 10-year-old or a 14-year-old. And that's when I thought, well, I need to, maybe I need to be that person. I need to be the person who connects the dots for my own kids. And so writing this book and digging more into mindset and sports psychology specifically was really about trying to create something that I could give to my own kids that they would want to read, that they would look at and say, okay, it's 150 pages, it's got big type. Yeah, I'll read that because... You and I both know that any athlete, if we give them a stack of books, there's no way they're going to read it. Absolutely. It's just, it's not, you know, something that we think kids will do, no matter how passionate you are, right? Uh, So the why for me started out really very self-serving and that I I wanted to do it just for my kids. Uh, And then as you and I got more and more into this and started to see there really was a gap in the market. And then the conversation I had with a parent just yesterday where they were listening to The Talent Code and they said, this is my third time listening to it, I think I'm missing something. Uh, I just don't know what it is. And realistically, you and I both know, if you just listen to The Talent Code, yeah, you're missing a whole lot because right. The Talent Code is predicated on understanding mindset and understanding grit and understanding myelin and understanding how the brain works. It, and you know, and Daniel Coyle does a great job with the examples he gives he and talking does. about hotbeds and all that yep. kind of stuff. So it's a great book, but I think it really needs to be uh, it needs to be done after you've read Mindset and grit some of these others for Lay the Foundation. So my why was to then say, well, let's connect all this. Let's build one resource that really brings people into this world of mindset, but not only educates, but teaches them how to take action. And I think that's the other big difference. Right. Uh, and I know your, your why probably overlaps mine in that space is that we read a lot of books that give us information. We don't read a lot of books that teach us how to take that information and bring it into our own lives
0: practical use of
1: practical that. use right how how do i actually behave in a way that these things become part of my core life uh, so that's that's a why that i'm very very passionate about with this book
0: Right, that's good stuff, man. I think, you know, definitely your kids being the driving force of wanting to see your kids succeed. And if you guys know Chris's kids, by the way, very, very driven athletes, uh, very progressive as well. Like, Hayden has gotten a lot better in just three years. Yeah. I mean, night and day as a basketball player. But also, he could be on this podcast and be talking about this stuff almost just as fluent as we are because he knows his biology. Uh Oh, my my kind of why stems from a couple of different points. One is kind of revenge on my old self. I was definitely an athlete that couldn't put it together. I was really good in the pickup sector. Uh, would practice really well, but when I would get into the game, I just had a hard time putting it together. And, uh, you know, they always say hindsight's 20-20, but looking back, I was definitely having panic attacks in games. I was definitely a mental wreck. The game seemed so fast to me. Uh, my, self, my self-talk was not good as well. And so once I learned about the power of self-talk and the power of mindfulness, I started putting it to use in my new sector, which was the strength conditioning sector, also the public speaking realm. And the results I got were awesome. So where I had an incident in college speaking in front of an auditorium-style class, freaked out, started sweating bullets, walked out of the class. And the teacher was like, either I'm going to give you a D or you go see our cognitive behavior therapist. And that was kind of my first exposure with cognitive behavior therapy, actually uh, trying to engineer my own mind not to be so nervous. Uh, back, This was back in 2006, so I feel like the cognitive behavior therapy back then wasn't as good as it is now. Uh, But it was still my introduction to it. Mm -hmm. And then part two of this was just getting into the strength conditioning field and helping athletes jump higher, run faster, but then going and watching them play and seeing myself in a lot of those athletes Mm -hmm. where I know you're working your tail off in the weight room. I know they're working their tail off in the skills and drill sector, but they're not putting together when it matters the most. And so my heart goes out to those athletes because they spend so much time and they have so much passion for what they're doing, but there's certain things that are holding them back mentally from performing right. well on the court. So that was that was kind of my drive once I started really understanding the whole neuroscience field and understanding how the brain worked and the stress response is being able to educate first our athletes on what's going on with their body and then second, like you said, the biggest thing now is our second E is engineer. Mm-hmm. It's actually give them a practical use on how to do it. And We've said this a thousand times, you know, the, everybody knows the quote, sports performance is 90% mental, 10% physical, but people spend 90% of the time on the physical, no physical yeah. and the reason for it is because the physical has a model, there's yeah. a model, there's strength conditioning models, there's the Wendler, there's Westside Protocol, there's a bunch of different ways to train the human body to get it stronger and explosive that's been tested over years from all these strength coaches that were in Russia, but like how many mental models are there out
1: there? Yeah. Well, you know, there's also the idea that if you look at skills and drills, if you look at the physical performance aspects, those are things that we could always measure. Mm -hmm. They were quantifiable. It was was relatively easy in somewhat a short period of time to see change, right? right? I mean, if you're a a very obese person, you can lose weight very quickly and begin to see change. If, If you're working out really hard, you can begin to see physical change. But it wasn't until recently that we even as consumers had access to something that would allow us to see what our brain is doing. Yes. Right? And and, and understand how the brain works and get feedback. On the brain. So, uh, that to me is a big area where we're going to see some explosion in this industry. Right. Is being able to get that feedback about the way the brain is operating. Uh, Sure, I mean, MRIs and things like that, but I'm not talking about expensive technologies. Right. Inexpensive things like the Muse. EEGs.
0: EEGs are very affordable. Yeah, I just turned that on on
1: my watch actually the other day. Yeah. Um, But, you know, something like the Muse, uh, and if you're not familiar with the Muse, it's just a a $200 device, $300 device. Uh, Tuck and I both have one. Uh, I remember when we first both got ours, uh, we were having little competitions to see what we could do with it. But basically it's a device you put on your head and it goes behind your ears and it tracks brain activity. And so the goal is to really subdue the brain activity, to try and calm yourself. And when you calm yourself and there's no brain activity to be captured, you hear these little birds chirping and tweeting and everything's calm and peaceful. But as brain activity picks up, you start to hear thunder and lightning like a storm, right? Uh, and so we would send each other the results, mm-hmm. right? Oh, look what I did. I got mm-hmm. three minutes and I got these, this many chirps mm-hmm. and this many, you know, thunderstorms. Uh, but, you know, just little things like that where we can start to get feedback, I think is very big. The instant for, feedback. Yeah, the instant End feedback. Time. Because, that, I mean, that's the world we live in, right? Is everybody yes. wants feedback on something quickly or they want results quickly. And if you can't see some type of measurable result, then people tend to not even do it, or they do it for a little bit and then and then stop. Um, and but-
0: also another one, of, I, I think both are our wise too is you know when we both were obsessed with Carol Dweck's book, you know and we said it last time, but like that demystified greatness to me. Mm-hmm. Greatness used to be mystic to me, like when you look at Jordan and you look at these guys that you know are. Just superheroes in their own right in their sport, and we're like, man, like those are one of a kind of athletes. Or he's yeah. gifted, or yeah. yeah. he's he's been, been endowed label. with so much, just yeah. you know, from his parents. And when you look at it and you start to dissect their careers, no, he wasn't. Right. You know, he was very growth mindset. Yeah. They say he was a genius that just compounded his genius yeah. over and, and over again. You know,
1: you look at Michael, you look at Kobe, you look at those guys, and sure, you know, they had some genetics that helped. But mm-hmm. I tell you what, there's a lot of six six people who are not the greatest basketball player ever to live, right? right? So I mean if you want to go with strict genetics, right. there's a lot of athletes that are right. that are 6'6, six, six, you know, Jordan's speed, Jordan's jump, all that kind of stuff. Right. What really made him different was something that every one of us have. But don't, don't know yet how to use, 100%. and that's that's our mind, right? Not our brain, because right. the physical brain, yes, we have it, and, and they all operate the same. Right. But our but our mind is different. Our mind is our ability to control the behaviors that we have, and make decisions, and be conscious about what we're doing. So yeah, that is a that's a great part of the why is is getting people to understand that they do have control over this. Uh, and I think one of the one of the good examples, and you and I have talked about this. Uh, my, my younger son, Hudson, you know, I, he, he couldn't read Carol Dweck's book, but we would sit down and we would talk about mindset and I would mm-hmm. educate him a little bit on what, what a growth mindset is, what a fixed mindset is, right? So the, the growth mindset is that you have the ability to change your character, your personality. Uh, you can develop through passion, perseverance, dedication, that you can be proactive in what your life becomes. Uh, Whereas fixed mindset is more, hey, I'm born the way I'm born, and that's it, right? So people look at Jordan, oh, look what he's got, right? Right. Uh, You
0: don't believe in hard work. You you, you double down on your strengths. You don't want to focus on your weaknesses. Yeah. And and there's
1: natural, right? You focus on what you're naturally good at. And so it was was interesting because my 10-year-old, one day we walk into a basketball gym, and he saw another kid with a shirt on, and he says, hey, Dad, look, that kid's got a fixed mindset shirt on. And I had to stop for a minute because I was like, wait a minute, a shirt that says fixed mindset. And so I look over and the shirt didn't say fixed mindset. It said natural born shooter. Mm. So at 10 years old, he was Mm. able to see something and say, wait a minute. No, 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 no. That's not how things really work. right. right? That's a fixed mindset. Uh, And it wasn't too long after that that we were – we might have been at a fitness facility or just somewhere out where he says, hey, dad, look, that guy's got a growth mindset growth mindset shirt on and so again i'm like wait a minute growth mindset shirt uh, and i look over and this time the shirt says built not born mm. right so think about that a 10 year old who's mm-hmm. looking at his environment and being able to pick up on these cues of what's fixed mindset what's growth mindset and and this was you know probably i think it was two or three years ago that this happened right right when mm-hmm. i was reading carol dweck's book so i mean at the time he was seven or eight right picking up on these things and really that's That's what reinforced my why, is that, wait a minute, you know, kids really can pick up on this. They really can begin to live thinking, I can change. I can see the things around me that I know I can control. And I think that's just a great story for parents and for coaches that... To think oh man maybe this is too high level for no it's not mm-hmm. right we, we we find ways to teach younger kids we use stories uh look Kobe Bryant just wrote that whole new Wizenard series mm-hmm. book right and it's geared towards and it's very growth mindset yes I mean I've read some of the stories that are within it it's very growth mindset uh and it's geared towards kids he's so
0: they, a po- he's a podcast too that's uh geared towards kids too it's called the, the Doubles or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, it's a bunch of kids that compete all the time, and okay. you hear themes. You hear those reoccurring yeah. themes in there, and I think Kobe is Kobe definitely is doing a great job in breaking this information down and getting it yeah, to the no so doubt. they can understand it. No doubt. So another topic we want to kind of bring up is, you know, me and Chris, we know our why. Obviously, we're very both passionate about our why, but you know, how do you find your why? How do you how do you find that project that makes you stay up late at night and read that book, that makes you write that extra long essay, that makes you study when other people are sleeping. How do you find that passion in what you're doing? And so Chris, I'll first let you kind of lead off. What do you think are some tactical ways people can, you know, find their why? Find that one thing that they're supposed to be doing and go all in on it.
1: Well, I mean, look, as, as adults, we have a lot more uh, strategic cognitive ability, mm-hmm. I would say, than kids do. Right. Right. So we we have a tendency to be able to see uh, an end result and understand time and dedication and process. patience and process. Right. right? Uh, I I think what's interesting for me, because you know, obviously researching all this and being able to set goals and, mm-hmm. and changing my lifestyle and my eating habits mm-hmm. and my workout habits mm-hmm. and and things like that for me really has been pretty easy because of literally e3 right Right. education engineering and empowerment and at this point in my life uh, you know I've been vegan now for the past five months and people keep saying are you gonna keep doing it keep doing it I'm empowered at this point Mm -hmm. to me I'm not doing anything that I shouldn't be doing it's not you know this isn't new to me anymore right Um, so again for me it's become pretty easy to to want these challenges and Mm -hmm. embrace these things so what I look at now is how do I help my kids find their why Mm -hmm. right which is part of what the book is supposed to do right? right kids parents teachers you know coaches um and and the way that i do that is through open communication right talking to them constantly mm-hmm. you know what are your goals do you see yourself reaching are you doing what you need to be doing right now right uh, a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago i sat down with my kids and i said hey, i want you and they had no idea this was coming i said i want you to write down the five most important things to you and that's all I said, five most important things. And I did it with them, right? Mm-hmm. So we write it down and, you know, you have family and, and school and basketball and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they write them down and we talk about them. And then I say, okay, now let's write down the five things that we spend most our time doing. Mm. And then we, we spend 15 minutes and we come back and we try and line it up to see, does it actually match? Right. And, and it's very eye-opening for them. And they were actually, I was very surprised because they were both really honest mm-hmm. with the fact that they do spend a lot of time on their phones. Right. And and once they saw that, once they said, "Well, look, these are the things that are my priorities, but here's where I'm spending my time," it was like, "Oh man, it's misalignment." You know, yeah, this really isn't aligned, uh, and and so you know you find those those ways to do things with your kids that help them discover their why, and then as a parent, it doesn't become a push to do things; it right. becomes a pull. Uh, you know, my younger son, Hudson, just recently found a basketball team that he absolutely loves being on. Uh, he's had several teams in the past that he's been on, but he's never been like he is now where he's like, hey dad, I got practice on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, we gotta be there 5-3. Th-. I mean, he's the one now that's pulling me into all of this. Right. So you know, as parents, we can't push our kids into something, but what we can do is, is create those environments, ask those questions, right. build those exercises that make the kids realize this is really what I want to do and this is how I'm going to have to do it and then you see this tremendous change.
0: And I think I think you hit on a good point there too and I think that's the second point. So first point being kind of write down, you know, what things matter to you yep. and then what you're part think of the engineering, right? right?
1: Definitely part of the engineering. I think
0: the second part of that is the process do you actually enjoy the process again when we read about Kobe and Jordan and he's anybody that's the leader what they're doing they have this almost uh, intimate feeling about the process I think there was an interview with Ahmad Rashad and Kobe one time I was watching he asked him like what do you love what do you love about the game and you think he's gonna say maybe like winning the championship, MVPs, all stars. He all-stars. said nope. the sound that the net makes when you swish it and the net hits the back of the 10. I don't know if you guys yeah. are hoopers out there, but there's a certain, you if you swish it perfectly, the net'll hit this 10 part of the backboard. It'll make yep. a little doop sound. Yeah. That's what Kobe loved about the game. So there's a very intimate connection. And then, again, going back to me and you, I think one of the things me and you both love about what we do is the actual research over this and mm-hmm. finding out new ways to not only help ourselves but to help other people. So I think when you're finding that why, find that thing, not the actual thing that you think you like, but the process. Do you like the process yeah. of actually doing that?
1: Yeah, you have to, you have to enjoy the minutia you You have have to to enjoy the details of things
0: right new challenges that are sure you know another kobe thing like people i'm i'm a lebron guy but i talk more about kobe these days but (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, maybe he's not i know i know i know so one thing kobe talked about too was just with each different obstacle that he was facing in his career he used one word And said it was a challenge when he when he tore his Achilles he's like it was a challenge to get back and I want to say he had one of the fastest uh, recoveries from an Achilles tear injury ever that a lot of doctors were like amazed that he recovered so fast but I remember watching the interviews like each day he was like what can I do today to get this better right how can I utilize my time my efforts and my energy to get this better so I think when you when you are process-based, and when it becomes a game to you, when, when these things are now challenges to you, th- these aren't stressors, you shouldn't be stressed out about the process, right. the process should be a challenge, and uh, to throw a little yeah. neuroscience at you too, when you, when, you view, when you view a potential stressor as a challenge and not a threat to your well-being, it looks different biochemically in your body. So if you view it as a challenge, you're gonna produce a chemical called DHEA that helps one, enhance your mood, so it makes you feel better, but it also helps you problem solve. It's all done in the prefrontal cortex. But if I look at getting better as a threat or any kind of stressor or obstacle as a threat, The stress response elicits, and you're actually having an actual panic attack. Your palms get sweaty. Your heart is racing. The whole episode seven that we talked about, Mm -hmm. you know, the stress response. So I think it's when you look at these high-level guys and seeing how they really succeed under so much stress, it's because they view it differently. It's just just a challenge to them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the, the why, there shouldn't be any part of the why that you dread. Right. Right. I mean, sure, there are times that you make sacrifices on things. But if there's something that you truly just can't stand, then maybe it's the wrong why. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's okay Mm -hmm. because sometimes you set a goal and you realize hopefully sooner rather than later that, hey, this wasn't the right goal. I'm not really as passionate about this as maybe I thought. Right. And and so it's not a bad thing to come to that realization. It's okay to do that. Right? The why, when you finally find the one that, that is right for you, will be powerful enough that you will want all of those challenges. Mm-hmm. You will consciously decide that, hey, I'm enjoying this because I want that so bad.
0: And you're I, seeking these challenges yeah. out. It's not like yeah. you're avoiding them. Like, yeah. You're like taking them on head on. Yeah. So I guess that's our, our, our third point is if you, if you don't know what you're passionate about, just try a bunch of things. Just try a bunch of things and see yeah. how you fail a bunch feel. of things, right? Yeah. Right, because one thing might lead to another. I think that's how it happened with me. Is the the feeling I got from helping athletes, athletes transform, and some of my members transform physically, was kind of what 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 was my my drug? Is just seeing that before and after picture, or yeah. seeing the results, or seeing the verticals go up. But I think really what I like is just helping people change. Mm-hmm. And that all starts in the brain. Change starts in the brain. So that's what I think led me to what I do now. I still love training athletes. All that stuff, don't get me wrong. But there's nothing I love better than taking someone that's been defeated, that has performance anxiety, that has maybe some anger issues, and helping them alleviate all that by teaching them about their biology and then having them engineer themselves, and that empowers them.
1: Yeah, that is super powerful. You know what we should probably do is use that – as the topic for our our next podcast, and let's yes. let's talk about brain chemistry. Let's talk about the biology of the brain. Let's get yes. into myelin. Yes. Let's introduce myelin to folks, and yes. and see how that plays into human behavior. I think that'll be a good. It'll be technical, but mm-hmm. I think it'll be a good one for people to really get an understanding of what's happening with our our biological makeup as we make decisions every day, as we do different behaviors every day. I think that'd be a good one.
0: Yeah, and and, you know, one of my passions too is, and I heard this also in a uh, Nipsey Hussle interview, rest in peace Nipsey Hussle by the way, but he was basically talking about how we're in an age now where technology has taken a huge leap, huge leap, and our own innate technology, meaning how we're wired, is still almost at its primitive level. So we haven't really, as we we live in a 5.0 world, but we're working on a 1.0 operating yeah. system. And that's why our phones are literally changing our human behavior because yeah, they they're using us instead of us using them. Yeah. And so I think as we move on to this new frontier of having all this information at our hands, it's important that we educate people on their biology so that we can be... Running at a 5.0 operating sure. system in a 5.0. Yeah, world. we can catch
1: up. One hundred percent. We have to. We have to make those decisions to do it, and we have to have the right information.
0: Yes. You know. So uh, I believe that's a wrap, man. That that was a good, solid podcast right there. Two
1: taps, we're out. Two
0: taps. Make sure you follow us on iTunes. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, the book, Beast Thinking. The book will be out soon. Uh, It's in editing, like we said last time, so whenever our editors get it back to us, it's going to be right into your hands. In the meantime, keep following us, keep commenting, keep giving us ideas for podcast topics. We are here for you guys. Be back soon. All right.